Next on BYU Sports Nation, Nick Emery is back in Studio B. Why now was the right time to step away from BYU basketball and what's next for him? How good will Washington be this season? And Utah, Husky radio analyst and Super Bowl champion Damon Heward previews both. Plus, Jerem, is the BYU football schedule too hard thanks to some group of five powers? What is happening? Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. We are live. BYU Sports Nation back to work in Studio B, your day-to-day play-by-play presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Thursday, July 25th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the guy who has no shame about wishing himself a happy birthday, Jerem Jordan. Now, that is not the case for me, but for some reason, Brandon Davies tweeted the following this morning. Happy B-Day, BD, referring to himself. This is your year, man. I can feel it. Go get it. What? Is this like a journal <laughs> entry on social media? I thought, wait, is he tweeting at somebody else? And perhaps he is, but I believe it's his birthday. So that happened. Yeah, maybe BD is big dog and it means somebody else. No, it's him. Glenn Robinson? It's, he, it's him. The second? <laughs> what? That's funny. I dare you on October 30th to tweet out. To tweet at myself. Happy birthday, JJ. JJ. And it's really for Jeremiah Jensen. This is your year, man. <laughs> I can feel it. Go get it. Do it now. Schedule the tweet. Schedule the tweet Schedule for the October tweet 30th. right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then just quote oh, Brandon Davies. That's hilarious. So then, yeah, the, yeah. That is hilarious. Hey, we've got a loaded show lineup for you yes, today. Very excited to have Nick Emery back in Studio B. His first interview with us I, in a very long time. I'm not sure he's done an interview with anybody in a while, right? So excited to have him in studio. Absolutely. We're going to hear why now was the right time for him to step away from BYU basketball and what's next for him. What went into the process, the psychology of all this fascinating stuff on the way. Plus, Damon Heward, the radio analyst for the Washington Huskies on his perception of BYU football playing at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And how does it feel for the Huskies to not be the Pac-12 favorites? We've had his brother Brock on. Now we have Damon. We just need Luke on. Then we'll have the three brothers. Yeah, yeah. get the trio in. Plus, between the lines goes with track and field. Probably the most undervalued team on campus at BYU. We now present today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. NFL camps, football, they're underway. Yeah! Feels great, though. There's a game next week, by the way. Preseason? It's amazing. Huh? It's amazing. ESPN has released projections for the 53-man rosters for each NFL team. Now some notable Cougars are not on those rosters. Does it matter? Not really, but Corbin Kafusi with the Saints, Kainaku with the Panthers, DeAndre Wilson with the Bills, and Harvey Longy with the Jets all left off of ESPN's projections. Doesn't mean they won't be on practice squads or even make a team. Yeah, I, I imagine all those guys will at least be on Sure. Team Fredette with Coach Dave Rose, Assistant Jimmer Fredette, and player Tyler Haas open play tonight in the basketball tournament against City Team Blazers, 10.30 Eastern on ESPN3. That's in West Valley, Utah. Former BYU women's soccer star Ashley Hatch scored the game-winning goal in the Washington Spirits. 1-0 victory over Sky Blue FC last night. She scored in the 53rd minute. Hatch's fourth goal of the season. Ashley and the Spirit will travel to face North Carolina in their next match on August 2nd. That's uh, Ashley's old team. 
And Taylor Cole pitched a hitless inning for the LA Angels to beat the Dodgers 3-2. Cole has allowed one earned run the past 14 and two-thirds innings. Incredible. Woo! Karma. And he's good. We, yeah. Coincidence, I think. Let's just focus on the fact that we gave BYU Sports News. <laughs> Let's all focus After on After the no-hit. Yeah. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The standard of independence in college football is with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and they were recently brought up again in a national publication dealing with their finances, what NBC gives to them, and how sustainable that all is. Of course, they're part of the ACC to a degree. They play five football games against the ACC every year. Scheduling agreements. Uh, some bowl agreements there as well. Orange Bowl. And then the rest of the sports are in the Atlantic Coast Conference. So they're firm. They like being independent. But for BYU, it is becoming more and more of a situation where fans feel like, got to get back in a conference. Need that financial stability of a Power 5 conference specifically. Jerem, if I were to tell you that it's not going to happen and BYU is going to stay independent, what would have to happen to make you feel comfortable about BYU staying independent for a long time in the foreseeable future. And I'm banking on that until BYU joins a conference, whether it's uh, invited by a Power Five or goes back to a group of five and just settles after realignment if BYU doesn't get in. But I have two answers. One, a more realistic schedule. The point is to win, is it not? Is the point anything else besides that? If it is, I think our priorities are messed up. The point is to win. Therefore, a more realistic schedule would be in order for me. That means uh, three to four power fives, three to four quality group of fives, four to six winnable games, okay? There's obviously nuance to when you play those games, how many are home, how many are road. This is, like, so tough to make a just perfect schedule. I'm not making the schedule. I don't actually know what goes into it, all the nuances of that, but I respect what Tom Homo has to do. I would just like a more manageable schedule so the BYU could win 10 games, have a special season. BYU probably would have had one. Some things happen. The only thing BYU can control in this whole thing in independence is who they schedule. They don't have a conference to tell them who they're playing when. BYU tells uh, you know, ESPN, yes, we want that game. Or has BYU said no? The other thing is this. If in the new deal with ESPN that BYU is negotiating now, if they got 10 mil a year, I'd say, okay, that provides more financial stability. And obviously, more finances affects, hopefully, the kind of players you can get and therefore how many wins you can get. Ultimately, if BYU gets more or less, it doesn't actually affect the fans per se, although the experience could be better if the stadium's better, right? And BYU's tried to do their best to upgrade facilities over the past few years. Keeping up with the Joneses in the current state of college football is a very difficult venture now. You probably won't unless you're in a Power 5. That TV money is the game changer. I know Silicon Slopes is helping a ton. That is fantastic. But the gap is wide between those who are in a Power 5 and those who are. I see these elaborate locker rooms. LSU just put out their social media display. It is ridiculous. It's like a five-star hotel inside of their locker room because they have the money and the prestige to do so. How much does that affect who you can bring in and then getting that talent to be maximized, perform at the highest level. It's, it's this funny thing where it's like, hey, if we have more money, we can do nicer things. We can attract better players, and then in turn we can win more football games. That's, that's the ideology. It, it seems logical, but BYU is unique because 
no matter what, you're going to get some people that are good athletes that just want to be at BYU. Right. They're not going to pick a locker room. They're not going to pick prestige. They want to play at BYU. I feel like less of those players are coming. The thing is, you're right, because schools like Stanford mm-hmm. and a lot of these Pac-12 programs, Utah. Alabama yeah. now is kind of hitting the Polynesian pipeline that BYU yeah. and Utah are so traditionally known for you know, recruiting out of. So – it's interesting. I would feel happy if BYU, yes, one, got more money from ESPN because it, it always helps. They should. It's been eight years. They should get more than they did. But I'm with you. I want the Cougars to win, and I I think that there needs to be some payoff there. Like ESPN knows that people will watch. When they can double down and while people are watching, now BYU's winning – then there's something special there. Then there's that tradition that's back, and it's like, okay, now other people besides just BYU fans are watching the Cougars, driving ratings. Maybe we should give that program some more money. That's, that's how it works. Chew on this. If Utah's not in the Pac-12, Britton Covey comes to BYU, in my opinion. It's because they're a Power 5 conference. Like, it makes sense. I get it. Top five, or, or topic two. BYU has, a f- has five group of five teams on the schedule. In Toledo, South Florida, Boise State, Utah State, and San Diego State. Four of those five are picked to either win their league or take first or second in their divisions. Are we undervaluing how tough the group of five teams are on the schedule? Maybe. I don't know that we anticipated that the group of five teams would all be essentially picked to win their divisions or win the conference this year, but it, it's shaped out that way. Now, listening to you put out your ideal schedule for BYU and Independence, you said three to four power five teams and – Okay, so BYU has four on the schedule this year, and then you said three or four. Ideally, not in a row. Quality group of five teams. BYU has uh, five, I would argue. BYU's got four maybe or one five. too many. So maybe it's the group of five teams that are swaying the schedule in the direction of, ah, it's too tough. And three or four on the road. Isn't though. that interesting? Because BYU has three of four power five teams at home. But they're all in a row. That's just, it's too hard. So we go back once again to the balance of this schedule. Like, you. It's not just three to four power fives or three to four quality group of fives. You have to space them out. But can BYU have everything they want as an independent? No. BYU's chosen to be uh, acted upon and not be the actor, right? And how many times does BYU say no to ESPN on the game? I want to that, know that. I, I want to know that. Do they feel pressure they to ever say never no? say no? Like uh, right. ESPN's like, hey, we want you to take you this want, game. Sure. That relationship's great. I would think that the dialogue would be such that you could say no, but – yeah, this schedule is close to what I kind of want, although I want another group of five that's a little more winnable. Maybe South Florida stinks, and that's the game BYU wins, and we go, oh, well, no, it was good. And maybe San Diego State's not right. as good as we think they might be. Right, but and I'm, there's nuance to this, right? Like I said, it's not just – I'm saying on the surface, this is what I want. Those group of five teams are tough, man. Like Toledo, quality team, almost beat BYU with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams in Provo, by the way. But they had two NFL players as well in their backfield, and Logan Woodside and Kareem Hunt. Um, you look at South Florida, a team that won the first seven games against nobody, but then lost six games against somebody's. Boise State's always going to be tough. Utah State is not little brother anymore. It's kind of grown up. They got, like, young man strength to challenge dad now, right? Um, 11-2 and two last year. They were fantastic. San Diego State, quality team. They won 38 games the last four years. 38? It's awesome. You always won 11 the last two. You know, it's, it's been tough. Those are some good teams. Ideally, you, you can get an FCS team in the first four. Uh, you can have, a, like, a little more balance. BYU will find a little more balance in that way, but they've added more Power 5 teams in the next couple years. 
Really? We put Ogden Aggies on the graphic? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Who did that? It's better than what Who we did. Who did it? It's better than what we did the other this day. This is going to get clipped good. off. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Well, it's only like five seconds, I guess. Um, <laughs> some Utah State fan will find oh, it. It's, I, and, yeah, it's rough you'll the never feathers. have the perfect schedule. Teams are better and worse than you think. Blah, blah, blah. I would rather lean on the just a little easier than a little harder end of the spectrum because I say this a million times, but hear me. No one cares if you have a season where you win fewer than 10 games. No one cares. No one goes, oh, wow. Maybe if you won one and then you go to seven, like, wow, that's a big improvement. But that's the end of the conversation. BYU's got to win. That's the point. If BYU doesn't win, then who cares? Is it the group of five teams that are making this year's schedule too tough, or is it just the placement of I think it's four power fives in a row. Okay. Yeah, All that's right. that's really hard. And those are names. USC was five and seven, but it's USC. It's you. Tennessee has been the second worst SEC team in the last two years, but at, it's Tennessee at Tennessee. It's not Indiana. It's not Oregon State. It's not Kentucky, who's actually been a little bit better. Now BYU will present arguably their best home schedule in program history by name. Yeah, Utah, the preseason Pac-12 champs. Don't know if you heard that. Okay. To open the season, followed by a trip to at Tennessee, then USC home, Washington home, also Boise State in pro. I see 4 0. Like, this is incredible (laughs) as far as the home schedule goes. However, modern conveniences have changed everything. We heard Pat Fitzgerald of Northwestern say, Look, the reason college football attendance is down is because of phones and access to that technology. He's on to something, I think. So that got us thinking. Well, what do BYU fans prefer? Because the home schedule is so good this year, but there's nothing quite like watching a game sometimes kicked up in your chair and your lazy boy with your feet up, the popcorn. You have everything you need around you, and you have all of the replays and angles and ultra-high definition. It's, it's a more enjoyable experience now that more, more than ever to watch college football at home. So do you prefer, and I'm going to have you answer first, Jerem, to watch BYU football games in the stadium – or in the convenience of your home? Most of the time, it's TV. If I want to feel the juice and get the energy from the stadium, like BYU versus Utah and BYU versus USC and probably BYU versus Washington, I think I'd rather be in the stands. Now, you and I are unique in that we're either going to be at the game covering it anyway, or in my case, I'm producing something, so I'm maybe removed from the stadium. Yeah. But generally speaking, I want to watch... At home, you just see I want to watch replays. I want stats. I want a second screen experience with Twitter. Um, that's what I want. But if I like, if you've been to a, a a memorable game, people don't talk about their experiences at home watching a game per se as much as they do. Oh, I was there. You remember that? And th- here's what I felt. Right. So there's a more personal experience when you go to the stadium. But in terms of just like general consumption, TV. It it is a good question. The chance that you might see something unforgettable, special, legendary. And you feel it more if you're there. If, in oh, absolutely. Opinion. You feel like, it more. Like, hey, I was there. You're, you're right. You're part we always of the go pulse there. of the game. When BYU or whatever your favorite team is that you're watching in person does something special, how inclined are you to be like, I was there? Yeah. Ty Detmer always joked. There were 65,000 people at the uh, Miami game, but 200,000 people claimed they were there, right? <laughs> it's and and true. B- BYU has it's done true. good things to try and enhance the experience at the stadium. 
Cougar Canyon, more replays, better Wi-Fi. Oh, it all makes wa- a difference. New walkways, right? So you, you don't have to go down to go up to you know the west stands from the north or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So they're making efforts to make it good. I think the game day experience is still good at BYU. There's not a history and a culture of tailgating here, of being there all day. Not every college football fan base has to teach a youth group the next morning at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., right? So it's, it's kind of unique, right? But we're looking at some images on BYU TV. This is a special place. I'm getting goosebumps looking at Lavelle Edwards the Stadium. Setting, the setting alone is it's, Bleacher Report put out that it's the best in college football. There are six days a year where you play a game there, right? And three of those are, like, really good games. This year there happen to be four awesome games. It's a special day. Every time we go to the stadium for a BYU football game. Every stinking time. Yeah. I love to be in the stadium, but I have a unique experience now because I still have a monitor in our perch, and so I can watch something happen on the field. Kind of having both. And turn around and say, okay, what happened right there? Let's take a closer look at that and see our BYU TV monitors going and those things streaming in. Right. So, yeah, I want the best of both worlds. You want to feel the energy and the buzz of being at the stadium and have the setting, but you want the replays and the convenience of having everything you might need around you and and not being bothered. Like, it it just – it's hard to have everything. If it's baseball, I want to be at the game more than watch it on TV. It's a better – hockey in person. It depends on the the sport, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we're sending out the poll question. Maybe some of you have seen it. You can vote on that as well. Uh, Jerem, the first opportunity to make this decision of whether to watch at home or in person happens five weeks from today. Hit it! The countdown to the youths. 35 days. 35 days. Five weeks. From today. Five weeks, people. We're almost there. We're six days away from fall camp. How about that? Our question of the day, do you prefer to watch BYU football games at the stadium or at home? First response in from at Zach underscore Vandy says, this is tough. I love home games, and I go to a few away games every year, but after each game, I always think to myself, man, I can't wait to go home and watch the broadcast. (laughs) The atmosphere at games is incredible, and I prefer being there, but I get more from the broadcast. Yeah, you are, uh, I guess, omniscient in a way, right? You have all these angles, and you have replays and stats and whatever. To a degree, you can have some of that in the stadium. Beer is trying to get your replays on your phone, and we're the ones clipping those off. By yeah, the way, and like I said, it's, it's a better do that and trying to feed those as quickly as possible. A better in-game experience than ever before with what BYU's yes. trying to do. With, well, and, and it'll continue to get better. Yes. They look at this because they want to make sure if you go to the game that you have a great experience before, during, and then after. It's not just that you're in the parking lot going home in your car. It's like, well, what if there was a post-game tailgate? People just. BYU football is a big deal, but it's not our entire lives to a lot of people. Yeah. What you know, it's part of the culture. And listen, right? if you're there when BYU upsets the projected Pac-12 champions and provides the ultimate buzzkill for Utah, you want to be there. You're there in person. You want to be there. You want everybody to know you were there. Yeah, and you're sending your pictures. Yes. You know, on, yes. On Instagram and Coming up, Nick Emery joins us in studio. What went into his decision to retire? And what are his plans moving forward? His first interview in a very long time. Do not go anywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, the watch list for BYU never ends. 
and new ways to celebrate Pioneer Day in Utah. Check it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Live from Studio B, your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play continues. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. We welcome in our first guest of the day with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Nick Emery finishes as sixth all-time in BYU history in three-point makes with 199 total. My notes have that as a lot. 199, 97 as a freshman, which still stands as a BYU freshman record in the basketball annals. Nick is now with us. Welcome back to Studio B, man. It's good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, Uh, it's uh, been an interesting week for you and your family, I'm sure. The news breaks on Instagram that you're stepping away from basketball. Um, I I think the first thing we want to know is when did this idea first start to kind of go through your mind and and gain some traction? You know, it was kind of after Coach Rose left that I really felt like, you know what, I have given basketball my all. You know, I've given it everything for 20-plus years. And, uh, you know, so I was thinking about in April, but I decided to push through just to see kind of how this, the the new coaching staff and and how the new system would be. And then, uh, you know, you kind of just hit a point in your career where you're just like, you know what, I'm I'm happy with what I've accomplished in in basketball and – you know, I'm grateful for the the opportunities that basketball has provided for me, and uh, you know, obviously, it's a bittersweet feeling to to give up the jersey because no one ever wants to do that. But I've never felt so right about a decision, and I'm happy and I'm grateful for BYU and allowing me this opportunity to have played for them. We'll dive into more of kind of what went into that, but what ultimately uh, told you after a few months of practicing with the team and still preparing for a season, right? What ultimately gave you the idea? Okay, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hang it up. You know what? So I, I got married um, in July, and I've got a little guy now. And, he's uh, here. He's Jack, here, by Jack, the way. Jack's so. here. What's up, Jack? He's going to be Jack. four in a couple of weeks. <laughs> He'll be four in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think my priorities have just shifted. That, that passion, that fire I've always had for basketball um, is kind of just uh, dwindled. And, uh, you know, I still love the sport, still love, I'll still support our guys. It has nothing to do with the teammates, coaches or whatever. It's just a decision that I feel like I need to to take on the father role, be there for Jack. And, uh, you know, for myself, like I just going through everything that I went through at BYU and I'm, I'm grateful for every single thing that I, I went through, but you know, I, I just kind of hit that point where I was like, you know what, this is, this is time. I know you are very much in love with your wife, Jenna, and she's a sweetheart. What were the conversations like with her as you told her, I think I'm going to step away from basketball? You know, at first it was hard because obviously she wanted me to pursue my dreams of playing professional basketball. And uh, when I first brought it up to her, she said, no, you got to keep playing. You got to keep playing. And, you know, as we've talked more, she's been more supportive and super loving. And, you know, it is time to start our family. And, you know, she's been through a lot in her life, and I want to give her 100% of my attention and and be that father to Jack and to be that husband to Jenna because they they are my world. You know, you you understand priorities when you get a little bit older and having gone through certain experiences in life. You know, you you move on and you really reflect back. And you know, Jenna's been super supportive and her her family, my family. You know, all all my friends, it's, it's been a blessing, and I'm, I'm just grateful for their support. Your identity for most of your life has been as a basketball player. So is this hard? 
That is correct. <laughs> oh, that's Nick. Oh, he plays basketball, you know. But, <laughs> you know, there's so much more to life than, than basketball itself, you know. And I think the public kind of perceives you as this basketball player. And, oh, he plays basketball. He's got everything he's ever wanted. But, you know, we're just human. We're just, we're just normal beings, human beings just living life. And, uh, you know, basketball is just something we uh, have been blessed to play. And, you know, it's just taking every opportunity and, being able to understand, like, yeah, my priorities are a little bit different now, and, and I'm happy, you know. There's, there's a smile. I feel like a, a lot of weight's taken off my shoulders and just got to continue to progress in life. Nick Emery with us on BYU Sports Nation. Great to have him back in Studio B as he discusses why now was the time to step aside from basketball. When did you tell the BYU coaching staff, and what were those conversations like? They were super supportive. Obviously, a new coaching staff is in, in place, and uh, – now, I think the hardest thing for me is was was telling the my teammates, you know, and and they fully understand and and fully give me their hundred percent okay, and and I'm happy, you know. I I'm in good standing with the university, with myself, with what I've accomplished here, and and they know that, and they know this has nothing to do with them. That this is all my decision, just to for me to progress in life, you know, and that's that's ultimately what came down to is. How can I progress? And this was the next step. Did there come a point where things you thought may just stay off the court came on the court for you to where perhaps BYU basketball, not that BYU did this, but things happened on and off the court where, man, this is kind of a a negative place. I found this positive place. I want to go there more. Did anything like that happen? Uh, Not necessarily, because when I first withdrew from school, it was it was very difficult. And, you know, my 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 dream growing up was to always play for BYU and you know I could have I could have left this university could have left and played for another team but that's not my mentality I I owe this university I owe administration my teammates and so I decided to come back to BYU and I'm grateful for coach Rose you know bringing back a player who had you know some some tough times in his life and uh you know there's there's a lot to this this aspect of just you know what there's just pieces to the puzzle, you know, and all the pieces of the puzzle. I feel like I've, I've finished my puzzle on the basketball aspect of side of things, and so, yeah, no, that's that's what I would say. What is your relationship like with Dave Rose right now that he is in retirement and you're stepping aside from basketball? And, and what have those consultations been like? Well, Coach Rose has played a big part in this decision, obviously, because you know it's easy for someone to go through all the NCAA stuff and you know essentially more, you know, and have to figure out how a player can come back. And, you know, Coach Rose and bringing me back really saved me mentally and helped me to pursue what I wanted. And that was to prove myself, you know, I can I can get through something hard, you know. And uh, Coach Rose has been super supportive. I've talked to him a few times. And I think seeing how happy he is now and just kind of seeing a new light in Coach, you know, I feel that same that same energy with myself right now is, you know, there there is a lot of weight taken off my shoulders, you know. It's the perception of kind of the public of, oh, you have done these things or or maybe not getting the full understanding of what had happened and kind of perceiving things and ultimately it's just you know, I know who I am, Coach Rose, everybody in that I associate with know my true intentions and real heart and Coach Rose has definitely played a big role in that. What do you feel like's been unfair in terms of what uh, the public has thought about you, like you mentioned? You know, it just comes with the game. You know, playing basketball on, on a collegiate level, I mean, 
social media makes it so easy for for people to contact you and you read those messages and you want to say something back because you know they're just saying that either out of despite or they're just you know angry or whatever and you know as a basketball player you you work every day to become your best player you know and so when you miss a shot your biggest critic is yourself it's not what people are saying but Social media has allowed that, where that outside pressure kind of sinks in. And I think I've learned these last couple of years, especially, just how to not let that affect me, essentially. And just, you know, I know who I am. People around me know who I am. And that's all that matters. And I'll be myself no matter the situation. What's next for you in your life? You know what? For the next three weeks, I'm taking it off. I'm going to relax, <laughs> get my body back. But. No, so I was talking about Jenna earlier, um, how an amazing example she is, um, and our, obviously, of course, Jack. Uh, so Jenna went through a hard time losing her husband three years ago, and Jack was only eight months old. And so kind of seeing how she's persevered through life and through that hard time, she's, she's really reached out to others. And so with this whole thing is, I think the next step is, we're gonna we're gonna get our nonprofit started, and uh, on mental health and just persevering through the hard times and getting through stuff that you feel like you can't get through because there I, I believe 100% everything in life happens for a reason, and sometimes we don't understand that, but as you keep pushing, you understand. So we'll get this this nonprofit going, um, go speak to some schools about suicide and mental health and. Uh, you know, Jenna's working with a lot of younger youth right now, and especially widows that are going through stuff right now. And, uh, you know, it's a blessing for me to see just because it has changed my perspective on life. And so we'll get that nonprofit going and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm not entirely sure yet. You'll, you'll do a lot of good with that. That's awesome. Let's finish with this. Now that it's over, can you speak to the the expectations and the hopes and uh, I guess the reality of the Lone Peak 3 and, and the excitement there and kind of what's played out the last several years, which you make plans and then they end up different. That's exactly right. You make plans, they end up different. Um, but the expectation part, you know, Eric and TJ and the LP3 or whatever, you know, everyone kind of assumed we are going to come in here and win a national championship. And obviously that was our goal too, you know, and I'm, it just didn't happen. And But we, what, what's cool about sports is you – you play so hard every day and give it your all every day that I can honestly look back and say, I don't regret one thing that I've ever done on the court, on outside the court, you know, because those are learning experiences. And so just people understanding like, you know, hey, we were here fighting for our Cougars, you know, and we know and we, we understand that, that fans and players and whatever get upset when we lose or don't do what they think we should do, but I just I just hope fans know that these players are working every single day to become better. There's no egos on this team. There's no I can do this better than you. You know, it's we're all we're all in it together. Fans, players, teammates, coaches, like we're all in this together. And uh, you know, I'm excited for the future of BYU basketball. I think it's in great hands, and uh, you know, go from there. 
We're going to use you as uh, an analyst at times. Is that cool? That's totally fine with me. You can analyze (laughs) the game, take on a new role there. There you go. All right, Nick. uh, It's great to catch up with you, man. Uh, And I know I can speak for Jeremy. He said it himself as much, but we're just, we're thrilled for you. We're happy you've come to a resolution. You seem happy, and we look forward to the good that you're going to do. I appreciate that, guys. Thank you. you just make one more three to get to 200, though. I I, I didn't even know it was at 199, but hey. It's okay. Come out of retirement for my one 200 game. was Jack and Jenna, so I'm good. Hey, uh, hey. <laughs> Nailed it. Nicely okay. done. Awesome. Thanks. So, hey, thank you guys for everything. And thank it. you, Cougar fans. Okay, coming up, how good will Washington be in week four? Radio analyst and two time Super Bowl champ Damon Heward joins us. But first, we go between the lines BYU track and field, eat and greet. Doesn't that sound like a BYU thing? If there ever was a BYU thing? <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. Linger longer? Like, what is this? Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We roll on after our conversation with Nick Emery. Outstanding download the podcast if you missed it. For now, part two of our headlines. All right. ESPN has released projections for the 53-man rosters for each NFL team. There are some notable Cougars who we think have a great shot to make rosters that are not included. Corbin Kafusi with the Saints, Kaina Kua with the Panthers, DeAndre Wesley with the Buffalo Bills, and Harvey Longy with the New York Jets. Team Fredette with Coach Dave Rose, assistant Jimmer Fredette, and player Tyler Haas, the all-time leading scorer. Opens play tonight in the basketball tournament, or TBT, against City Team Blazers, 10.30 Eastern on ESPN3. BYU women's soccer alumna Ashley Hatch scored the game-winning goal on the Washington Spirits 1-0 victory over Sky Blue FC last night, her fourth goal of the season. Hatch in the Spirit travel to face the team that drafted Ashley a few years back, North Carolina, in their next match on August 2nd. Taylor Cole pitched a hitless inning for the LA Angels to beat the Dodgers 3-2. Cole has allowed one earned run the past 14 and two-thirds in. It's time now that we have an eat and greet, Jerem. Food's going to be right on the set? <laughs> I don't know. Can we get some food in here during Between the Lines? I'm kind of hungry. We'll try it. We're, oh, no, wait, we're, we're fasting. fasting. We're fasting. We're fasting. Until we are just during fasting. the show. Until the BYU tugging. <laughs> I forgot. I'm not going to drink this water. Eat and greet. Let's go Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. Ricky Fentwood Jr., Brenna Porter, and Whitney Orton, we wanted to get a look into what they eat for their pregame meal so we can be fast. Well, as you can see here, we've got ourselves a nice plate of baked beans here. Uh-huh. Uh, just something that, you know, keep, kind of keeps the, the crab cycle going, just making sure that you're ready to jump. So here, we can just give this a try. Oh, well, that's not bad. It's a pretty good dish. I'm curious, why baked beans? How did this come about as your pregame meal? Well, when I got to regionals, I just... The accent's gone, by the way. Oh, 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 the I'm sorry. Made it, but no, yeah, right. you, you know, I've been, in, I've been in Utah too long. But anyway, when I was, the camera was on me, I happened to kind of kind of, kind of black out there for a sec, and then I just kind of said what was on my mind, and, and that happened to come up, and now everyone just knows. You're me. the baked bean guy. You're the baked bean yeah. guy. <laughs> a little bit of hard work. That's all that is. A little bit of hard work, a little bit of prayer, some baked beans. That's all it is to it. Ain't nothing else to it. All right, well, I'm going to try some of these. Are you Go cool ahead. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, do you understand now? Do you I understand. Feel, I do. Do you feel 
what it's doing for you I, and to you. Big beans make you jump higher. Brenna, what do we have as your pregame meal? So as my pregame meal, I have delicious oatmeal, only instant, it's the only way to go. <laughs> I'd give it a 10 out of 10 on presentation. I usually put a little bit of peanut butter in there. Okay. So I'm just gonna put, you know, a dollop. A dollop of peanut butter. butter. I'm just gonna. Do you just mix it right in or yep, do you leave it on mix top? Mix it right in. Okay, delicious. And I'm just gonna. How is it? I might need some water. <laughs> so, how did this start as oatmeal and peanut butter being your pregame meal? About a month ago, I realized I'm really poor and so I didn't want to buy a big breakfast. So, I just started to eat the oatmeal and it took off from there. What is it about it that you like? You got the protein. You got the carbs, you got the fat, everything you need. I'm gonna taste this. Go for it, Lauren. I'm gonna see how it tastes. It is really dry. <laughs> it's really flaky. That's how we like it. Yeah, we like it dry. <laughs> this is actually really delicious. It's like the peanut butter <laughs> Oatmeal. Oatmeal and baked beans so far. Way to go. All right, let's move on to our Last athlete here, uh, Whitney. Whitney, what do we <laughs> Look at that reveal. <laughs> We're in for a treat, guys. Okay. okay. So you just gotta start off by cutting the avocado. Okay, so you put the avocado on the sandwich. Yes. You do need a little salt and pepper, but, you know, I'm not gonna be that. <laughs> I'm all about the spices. I'm all about salt and pepper. You do you need to spice it up. So do you have cheese and turkey like we have on this sandwich? Yes. Always. Usually okay. um, more of a provolone girl. Okay. Or Swiss. Okay. But I'll do some craft um, singles today. Okay. How is it? Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good avocado. You know what, you guys? I feel like I am the fastest person in the world right now after eating these things. Should we put it to the test? You guys yeah. ready? You want to race? Sure. Let's go, Lauren. Let's hit it. Go. In a dress. Our thanks to Lauren McLean and our Between the Lines crew. Big scenes with an accent, I it, guess. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask him, like, why, why, why are you talking in an accent? Now? Sir Ricky Fantroy Jr. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there? Okay. Uh, what? <laughs> Coming up, will Washington quarterback Jacob Eason be the real deal this season? And what is Washington's color analyst, Damon Heward, and his reaction to Utah being picked to finish first in the Pac-12 and not his beloved Huskies? This is BYU Sports Nation. Between the Lines is presented by Tim Daly Ford and the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Watch it on BYUSN.com or the BYU TV app. Listen on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. Do you prefer to watch BYU football games at the stadium or at home? You have the convenience of both very often, so make your choice. Hashtag BYUSN. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is two-time Super Bowl champion, NFL veteran, Washington Husky quarterback, and current radio analyst, Damon Hewer. Damon, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, fellas. All right, so yesterday the Pac-12 announces their 
projections for who's going to win the conference, and typically UW is at the top of that list, or so it seems recently. So how does it feel to not have Washington be the expected favorite to win the Pac-12? Well, you know, I, I get it a little bit. I mean, there's just going to be a lot of new faces on this uh, 2019 Husky football team, and especially on defense. We lose nine starters from a year ago. And then obviously offensively, you know, Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin have been lining up at quarterback and, and running back in the last four years. So, you know, that's a lot of new faces, a lot of question marks. And uh, you can see why the, the, the media thinks that uh, the dogs might fall a little bit here in 2019. We're certainly interested in the expectations around Utah. That's BYU's first game. It's the rival, of course. Do you feel like the Utes are for real this year? I do. You know, certainly playing them last year, they've probably been one of our toughest opponents uh, in the Pac-12. Certainly the last couple years, uh, it seems like it's always come down to a special teams play or a fourth down stop uh, to beat them. Um, it's been super, super, or a field goal, super competitive games. And, um, yeah, they're just a physical defense. Uh, they obviously got a, a quarterback and, and Tyler Huntley coming back. It's a talent. So, it, um, yeah, they're a good football team, no question, and pick to win the South. We kind of feel like Jacob Eason is under the radar because he didn't play a ton, and now he's transferred, and he's the guy at – UW after having to sit out for a little while. So what can you tell us about Jacob Eason and what he brings to Chris Peterson in Washington? Yeah, well, you know, he has not been named the starter just yet. Um, you know, after spring ball, they, they didn't feel like uh, there was clear separation between him, Jake Hayner. And so, you know, it's going to carry on in here to fall camp. But I think, you know, the consensus is that Eason is the favorite, but you never know. Um, it's about moving the chains and making good decisions, and we'll see what happens here the first uh, few weeks of training camp. So, uh, obviously, he is a talented kid. I mean, he is all of 6'6", 240 pounds, uh, can throw the football a country mile. I had some success at Georgia as a true freshman in the SEC, um, a local product here, a five-star. So, you know, he's got a super high ceiling. And um, But I know there's still competition is what it's always all about here going into training camp. And um, it should be interesting to see how that plays out. Always a little nerve-wracking to lose the all-time leading rusher as well in Savan Ahmed. What, what are the expectations for a guy who's been a pretty good number two the last couple of years? Yeah, he's a stud. Um, he's super fast. You know, we, he'd do a lot of different things for us these last uh, couple of years. You know, the fly sweep. Uh, we'd give him the ball out of the backfield on screens and some of those things. But now, you know, he's, he's one of the guys we're expecting to carry the load, run him between the tackles. And, and he's a talented guy, but super big shoes to fill uh, with Miles Gaskin. Um, but uh, between him, Kamari Pleasant, Sean McGrew, we feel like we've got a pretty good stable of running backs you know, running behind uh, arguably one of the best offensive lines in the Pac-12 conference. Damon Heward with us, Washington Husky quarterback, radio analyst right now. It feels like the entire defensive starting 11 got drafted out of Seattle. <laughs> so what, what yeah. can we expect from the Washington defense this season? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I mean, Coach Pete and C Coach Kukowski, Jimmy Lake, they have this philosophy of playing guys and playing them backups in meaningful situations and games. And it'll be the third series of a game, and all of a sudden – our number two linebacker core will be in the game, and you're like, where's Kervin? These guys are about to score. But that's the philosophy is they play these guys, they get them experience for when it's their turn to start, or if there's an injury, they're ready to roll. 
So we have we don't have a lot of starters returning. We have a lot of guys who played a lot of football for us. You know, especially on the back end of the defense, obviously Taylor Rapp, Byron Murphy, Jordan Miller, all moving on to the NFL. But we've had guys like Keith Taylor, Elijah Molden. You know, they've played a lot of football. And we still have Miles Bryant, uh, preseason All-Pac-12 uh, defensive back coming back. I don't know where he's going to play. We played him at nickel, safety corner, everywhere. Um, you know, the defensive line, yeah, yeah, we lost great games. So some really good production there, Shane Bowman. But we rotate eight, nine guys in those positions. So, you know, guys like Levi Anzarike, um, John Clark, uh, Benny Potoal, he's going to move down, put his hand in the dirt. He was a buck linebacker for us last year. So Ryan Bowman led our team in sacks two years ago. So we have some guys who've played but maybe haven't started. And as you've known from years past when we've lost guys to the NFL, we're not rebuilding, we're reloading. We recruited well, we've developed well. And uh, although they haven't started, I think they'll be ready to play if, if anything, if I saw anything in spring. So it looks like a pretty good crew over on defense, although young. Chris Peterson waited a long time to take a Power 5 job. And I, I feel like he's a perfect fit for Washington, a guy that is an excellent <clears throat> coach, innovative, creative, gets great skill position players. This has been a nice merger. Um, how would you evaluate the first five seasons of Chris Peterson in Seattle, and what's the expectation moving forward? Yeah, it's been unbelievable. I mean, back-to-back-to-back New Year's six bowl games, three 10-win seasons in a row, two of the last three years, conference champions, eight guys drafted um, this last spring. Um, We had 70 players with a 3.0 or better in the classroom in spring quarter. I mean, you know, we've had some good chapters and good errors and great runs here at Husky football. You know, none. I don't know if any have been better. You know, the only thing missing really is is winning one of these big games, uh, you know, on the big stage. And, uh, you know, leaving the, the CFP in Alabama a couple of years ago and even the Fiesta Bowl, Penn State, you know, we really did get dominated on the line of scrimmage. I didn't feel that way leaving the Rose Bowl in Ohio State. We got out, we got into a hole. Um, we just we came back. We made it close and competitive in the end. We just buried ourselves early in the football game. But uh, we, we're not far off. I mean, we, we've recruited really well these last couple of years. I think, you know, even talking to people around – the league, we've got all the big boys, you know, uh, from Hawaii to Southern Cal, uh, even in Utah, dipped in there, some big body players that uh, are really going to pay big dividends down the road this 2019-18-19 recruiting class. So, you know, things are awesome. Uh, again, just winning, winning a Rose Bowl, maybe winning the CFP, you know, we're, we're in the hunt, we're right there, but it's kind of taking that next step. But the expectations are high. You win as many games as you've had. These last couple of years, people people love that feeling of winning and want to keep it rolling here in Seattle. Looking at the conference as a whole, too, it's been left out a couple of years because you have you know uh, a lot of good teams going up against each other. There hasn't been that team that's kind of stepped away from everybody else, had no losses or one losses. How do you feel about where the Pac-12 fits right now and uh, how tough it is to emerge from there relatively unscathed to get into the playoff? Yeah, everyone wants to gripe and complain about our conference and it being down. But, you know, I think the middle of our conference is is really where where it's at. You know, you just never know what you're going to get from Mike Leach and the Cooks. And whether they go 11-2 and two last year on the Palouse, the most wins they've ever had in school history. You know, Oregon seems to be recruiting really well. You know, they're a juggernaut. Stanford and David Shaw, I mean, that, you know, it's a program that's been getting it done year in and year out. And then Kyle Whittingham at Utah. And now, you know, you've got some really good coaches in there. Um, in uh, Justin Wilcox at Cal, that defense was one of the best defenses we saw all last season. You know, I think Herm at Arizona State, they're doing some neat things. 
I mean, SC, I mean, let's just not write them off. Chip Kelly, I mean, so, you know, you say, oh, man, maybe it's Washington, Utah, Stanford, Oregon at the top. But, I mean, you got Chip Kelly and Herm Edwards and some of these guys in the middle of the conference, you know, with some talented players and played a lot of young guys last year that you know are going to be better. So, you know, this conference top to bottom, there's just no real bad teams. I feel like anybody can beat anybody on any given Saturday, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we'll finish with this. What's your perception of BYU football going into this season? Yeah, you know, obviously uh, last year was, uh, you know, it was not a very competitive game here in Husky Stadium. But uh, I, I've been to Provo there. The first game I ever called on the radio uh, was, uh, I believe it was 2010. You guys put uh, a beat down on us. Um, so I know how tough it is to, to go up there and play uh, that high altitude and the awesome crowd and just that incredible setting that you guys have there uh, in the mountains. So um, it's going to be a tough physical game. I think of a smart physical football team, um, you know, so it's uh, it's going to be a great football game and a great challenge for this young Husky football team. Damon, it's great to talk to you. For the record, uh, we'll debate later whether you, your brother Brock, uh, or Luke throw the ball best. So that, that'll that come later. <laughs> well, I'm the best looking of the three. <laughs> yeah, that's that the best. Okay. Yeah, um, that matters most. Thanks, Damon. <laughs> You got it, fellas. Have a great day. Damon Heward on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Coming up, what Cougars made NFL 53-man projected rosters. Plus, I hope Jerem gets this excited as my rise and shout-out when BYU wins their rivalry games. This is BYU Sports Nation. Shout-out to today's guests, Nick Emery and Damon Heward. Shows on demand via the podcast and BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Basketball. Andy Katz on NCAA.com said he expects Mark Pope and BYU to make it back to the NCAA tournament this season. Cougars in the minor. Join the club, right? Jacob Brugman in AAA continues to rock at one for three. Had a walk in a Tacoma Rainiers 14-3 loss to the Reno Aces. CC Clausen went one for three with the double in the rookie league. Ormel 6-2 loss to the Rocky Mountain Vibes. Clausen batting 317 in the last 10 games. Today's rise and shout-outs. For me, Jeremy, it goes to L.A. Clippers owner Steve Ballmer, who produced a sound I didn't know was humanly possible yesterday. Come on, get up, let's go, yeah! When introducing yeah. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. <laughs> oh, it, it's a meme forever. Mine goes to Cosmo for his backflip off a horse at Fiesta Days at the Grand Parade in Spanish Fork and the dude with the BYU flag next to the University of Utah float uh, in Salt Lake. Yeah, baby. Yes, BYU repping at the parades, baby. <laughs> Do you prefer to watch BYU football games at the stadium or at home? Huge response to this question. Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort celebrating 50 years from at Ames Flames. She says, I'd sell my soul to go to a game at the stadium. Hashtag BYU fans in Texas. Yeah, believe it. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Patty Edwards. See you tomorrow. Go Cougs.